0: Hello and welcome to episode 63 of the Confident Live Marketing Podcast.
1: If you are in the structured habit of going live at the exact same time every single week and people have come to understand that and you've developed a growing, your need to pre-promote goes down, but it doesn't go away. Because we still want to let people know and we don't want to interrupt their lives. We want them to be able to plan, oh, okay, Mike's going live Friday at noon with Ian about this topic.
0: Hello, my name's Ian Anderson Gray, and in this episode of the Confident Live Marketing Podcast, I'm joined by my good friend, Mike Alton, talking about how to build your content marketing empire. A lot of us have heard the phrase, content is king, but creating all that content across all those different platforms is really hard. How do we create all that content and how do we plan and promote it, whether it's blogging, live video, podcasting, or whatever?
2: Let's get on with the show, but... First looks like it's time for something completely nutty <laughs>
3: This is the Confident Live Marketing Podcast. Confident Live Marketing Podcast. With Ian Anderson Gray, helping entrepreneurs level up their impact, authority, and profits through the power of live video. Gain confidence in front of the camera, confidence with technology, and confidence with the content and marketing.
2: Together, we We can go go live. live! Hello,
0: Ian Answer Gray here. This is the Confident Live marketing show. This is where we help entrepreneurs level up their impact, authority, and profits through the power of Confident Live video. This is episode 63. I'm so excited. I've got my good friend, Mike Alton on, talking about how to build your content marketing empire. I have to say that's my title, not Mike's, but I'm sure we'll gain some information on how we can build our empire using content. I'm really excited about that. But first it is time to bring in my first sponsor, which is StreamYard. StreamYard is one of my favorite tools out there. It is a live streaming tool that works directly through your browser. And because of that, it works for Mac users and PC users and it's really easy to use. So incredibly easy to use and it has all these amazing features such as the ability to highlight comments on your screen, being able to add titles, having up to nine guests on the show, so they can be up to 10 people without any extra software, being able to share your screen, add your own brand colors. You can broadcast to Facebook, Periscope, LinkedIn Live, Twitch and YouTube all at the same time. And you can use green screens if you're feeling really posh. Now, the multicasting part of it is not available on the free version, but all of that, all the other stuff there is available on the free version. The paid version gives you even more stuff, such as being able to add your own logo, overlays, backgrounds, videos and multicasting to up to five destinations which is pretty awesome so if you want to find out more all you need to do is go to iag.me forward slash stream yard iag.me forward slash stream so it's time to bring on my special guest mike alton Mike is such a cool guy and uh, we've known each other for such a while, but um, just to let you know a little bit about Mike, if you haven't heard of him, Mike is the brand evangelist at Agora Pulse, which is one of my favorite. In fact, it is my favorite social media management tool where he leads their social media marketing team, as well as all brand partnerships and influencer marketing initiatives. He's been writing and speaking about the social media industry for a decade and has a new book coming out in the fall entitled The Ultimate Guide to Social Media Marketing from Entrepreneur Press. Wow, that's exciting stuff. Hi, Mike. Welcome to the show. How are you
1: doing? Very good. Thank you. And I'm really excited about that book. We're just, gosh. Uh, forty days out, I think ish. Wow. I'm not counting. <laughs>
0: <what it> <laughs> no, well, you're you're not um you're not new to this whole book thing, though, are you? I believe you've uh, written a book before. Uh, I mean, it's, it's certainly one book. Have you written other books before?
1: I've written a couple books. Um, the the, the reason I'm laughing and, and why you're laughing is because the first book was the the unofficial book that on Hootsuite. Um, <laughs> but everything that I'd done before it was self published to Amazon. So working with an actual publisher and having, you know, actual books that are going to be on actual shelves and airports, if anybody goes to airports again, uh, is different and very interesting and exciting.
0: Well, that's awesome. Yeah. That's kind of funny about the, the whole Hootsuite thing, because actually, in a way, you know, the, your your first book on Hootsuite, the, that's kind of um, obviously made a big impact on, on the world and on you, I'm sure. And the, my first, that was kind of the Hootsuite thing was really how I got into this as well, because of my article on how, Seven Reasons Not to Use Hootsuite. So it's kind of nice, funny nice. we had a little bit of a coming into the world with Hootsuite. So I always like to ask my guests on the show, well, certainly the guests that I, I know very well, and I can't actually believe this is the first time you've come on the show, actually. I think we've been trying to arrange this for a while, but you've been a busy boy, let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> Can you remember how we first met? Now, I know that oh my. We, we could yeah, we could talk about probably, for my memories, probably in the Google Plus days. Um but I'm wondering sure. whether, whether we when we, it was probably social media marketing world is where we met no, in person.
1: I definitely knew you before social media marketing world because I recall see, my first time in marketing world was 2016 your first year was the year prior 2015 mm. and I knew you before them and I remember distinctly how much our mutual friends were mm. pressuring you to attend in 2015. And I remember you saying after the fact, how much fun you had, uh, how great it was to see everybody, how they were all very warm and welcoming. And and it was a really nice experience for you. And that was one of my motivations for going the following year, because I was out of pocket. I had to pay my own way. The the business I was working for at that time wasn't gonna pay for me to go to a marketing conference. So that was was a motivating factor for me, uh, which is why I remember it. But obviously that means I knew you before then. Cool. Um, where I I have to assume you're right. We must have met on Google Plus in the you know yeah. early tweens. It's funny, isn't
0: it? You know, trying to remember where we first mm-hmm. met because I, I I think sometimes like the the virtual world. And the physical world, you know, they're all over the place. I mean, certainly physically, the virtual world with so many platforms out there, you know, with Google Plus and Facebook. But I'll, I know a lot of us met on Google Plus, but we're not going to talk too much about Google Plus because we'll get all teary eyed, <laughs> which is not what we want. <laughs> so yeah, we, well, we could reminisce on, on all of that kind of stuff. But I want to I want to kind of move on to the, the main topic, really, which is now this is going to seem like a bit of a silly question, because I know that I know what the answer is going to be. But I think it's important to ask these questions. First of all, is content marketing still important well okay of course but why why would you say content marketing is still important why should we be investing our time in it
1: well the funny thing about content marketing is it's not new and it's not going away because at its core good content marketing solid content marketing is storytelling and as a species we've been doing that since cavemen literally cavemen so that's not going to change anytime soon. Now, an argument can be made in terms of the format of the stories, right? People can argue, you know, should I still be blogging and writing down those stories versus speaking them versus video podcasts and so on. And, and there's, there's discussion and conversation to be had there in terms of format. But content marketing as, as a way to tell your stories, to tell your customer stories, that is not going away anytime soon.
0: I think you might be right on that one, (laughs) but I think it's important to ask the question. And of course we tend to think that content marketing is this, like this, this new thing, you know, like apparently HubSpot invented it or was that, that was inbound marketing, but yeah, we seem to think of it as uh, a new thing. Joe
1: Politzi. Joe, we we refer to Joe as the, as the father of content marketing, um, because it's, I don't know if he literally coined the phrase, but he certainly yeah. propelled it to the forefront. Yeah, um, and that that was, I mean, relatively new in the marketing sphere. That was, gosh, six eight years ago. Mm. Um, so yeah, before then, it wasn't really a phrase. So, the phrase itself is new-ish, but yeah, the the the, the core of it, the real yeah. purpose of content marketing, yeah, that's not new.
0: Yeah, no, I think I think you're right there, definitely. So a lot of people say that live video. Is king. Now who who coined that phrase? There's probably lots of people that coined that phrase, but what about live video? If we're going to build a content marketing empire, where does live video fit into that, into the ecosystem? I want to ask you first of all, does does mm. live video fit into your ecosystem anywhere? You know, and how important is it to you? But how when we're considering where to put our, our importance on different aspects, whether it's blogging, podcasting, or live video, you know, what should be the deciding factor? And, and how do you see live video in all of that? Lots of questions there, but, you know, take, take your pick. <laughs>
1: I think I can handle that. Yeah, There are two ways that you can use live video to really build that empire that you can leverage it. And you're doing both of them. I've really only done one of them. So you can first use live video as a way to create content exactly like you're doing right now. You can interview other people and you can allow the guests to bring the information to you, to your show, to your content, to your audience. And that's extremely effective because number one, you're allowing somebody else to to really create the content for you. You don't have to imagine, research, write down, dream up, organize structure, anything. You have to come up with some questions, but then you just feed them to your guests, exactly like you're doing to me right now, Ian, which is really great and it's effective. There's challenges there to be sure. The bigger challenge for you as the owner of this content, as the owner of the show, is you have to bring a guest on who's going to create content for you without knowing exactly what they're going to say. So you have to try to preempt that a little bit with smart questions and make sure that you're bringing somebody on who's going to say something that's going to be worthwhile to you long term. Because the beauty of live video is it really isn't about the video that's live. It's about the content that you're creating through the live video. So after we're done today, now you've got a video that exists as a recorded video on your YouTube channel, on your Facebook page that you can repurpose into blog content and a podcast and so on. So that content's got to live on. And for it to be worthwhile to your business, it's got to be related to your business. Hopefully it's got to hit some of those keyword phrases and some really important topics and categories and things that you really need to have in your own site's content in order to attract the kind of audience that you want to convert into a business purpose. All that said, it's a wonderful medium because video itself is interactive. It's engaging. When I'm speaking, every one of you that's watching me right now, you're not just hearing me, you're seeing me. You're hearing my voice, but you're also seeing my facial expressions, my hand gestures and so on. And you're making eye contact with me, hopefully. Right. You're paying attention. Close another browser, another tab. Come over here. Listen to me and Ian, because what I'm showing you right now is the power Mm -hmm. of video. You can come to my blog and I love to write. That's my preferred medium. But I understand that it's limited. When you come to one of my blog posts and you're reading the text, it's very one dimensional. You can kind of hear my voice if you know me through the writing but it's not as powerful, it's not as impactful as you sitting at home right now, hearing me in your head and seeing me with your eyes and processing everything that I'm doing right now. So that's a very powerful medium to leverage. That's the first thing that one can do with live video is create the content. You can go solo, you can bring on a guest, you can bring on multiple people. That's that's all just formatting questions that you can figure out. And if you do that on a regular basis, whether it's weekly, every other week, monthly, it doesn't really matter. It's just content. But if you're doing that on a regular basis, you're now creating an archive of content. And hopefully you're repurposing it and bring it into your own site so it exists within your site. And we can talk about that for sure. But the second thing that you can do with live video, and this is where I excelled, was to do exactly what I'm doing today, which is to appear on somebody else's show. Right now, Ian, I'm talking to you, but I'm also talking to your audience who's watching now and who will continue to watch in the days, weeks, and months to you know to go on from here. I couldn't have reached them by myself. They're not following me on Twitter. They're not following my Facebook page. They're not subscribed to my blog. They're subscribed to your channels. So when I come on your show, and hopefully I share a little bit of expertise and I demonstrate a little bit of authority, I'm making a positive impression on them. That was a big light bulb moment for me, a watershed moment for me, and it was. Gosh, eight years ago, I started appearing on Google Plus Hangouts on air, which again, I think that's probably where we met because I was probably on somebody's show like Mia Voss or somebody like that who was doing a regular weekly show way back then before it was cool. And I was able to meet new people and they were able to meet me in a very new and interesting way. And again, it was the power of live video, right? They were able to see me on video. They were able to hear me. I was able to make that impression way stronger than I ever could have done with the written word. So for those reasons, I think live video is extraordinarily powerful.
0: Yeah, love all of that. My goodness, my, my brain is buzzing with so many things there that we could talk about. I mean, we could go, go. Do, well, we could just briefly talk about the Google Plus thing because actually we tend to think live video is, is like Facebook Live brought it in 2016. But of course, there was Google, Google Hangouts on air. And that was my first Live video experience, and I have to admit, I was petrified the first time somebody asked me to go on a Google Hangout. And I can't remember whether you were on it or whether it was anyway. There's a group of us, and I was petrified. And I kind of feel it's interesting. So to tie it back to you know, you say that your preferred format as content format is is blogging, but you totally see the power of video, and I totally agree with you. You know all those things. The fact that yes, you are a great writer, Mike. But what people also want to know, they want to know a little bit more about you. They want to see your mannerisms, your how, how you act. They want to see your face. And actually, you coming on a video is a great way to find out the real human behind the pen. If, or the or the keyboard, you know, and and so I think that's 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 really <laughs> yeah. powerful. But yeah, it, it kind of reminds me. Again, we're going back to Google Plus, and we're going to get teary eyed again. But I remember my first Google Hangouts on Air being absolutely petrified. Can you remember your first live video experience, and how did you feel about it?
1: Very much. In fact, um, I've been doing a a new talk recently that developed for a small business organization called Social Media Refocus. And I shared that story. I shared how my first hangout on air was actually to a group of lawyers. It was it was it was, you know, probably 2011, 2012. They wanted me to teach them about Hootsuite. Wow. And so when I got the invitation, of course, I was like, yeah, I'll talk to a bunch of lawyers who've got money and I can, you know, make an impression and and sell some things. That makes total business sense. And then after I agreed to it and we set the calendar date, I was staring at that thinking, oh, God, (laughs) what did I just sign up for? I've never (laughs) done live video before. What am I going to say? And this wasn't even an interview format, which is considerably easier than just going solo on a live video and presenting, right? Because here, you and I, we're having a conversation. We haven't talked about what we're going to talk about other than content, you know, so there was no preparation. And that's totally cool. I can do this off the cuff. But if you were to ask me to teach you for 45 to 60 minutes about a particular topic, I'd probably want to have that prepared in advance. And having never done that before, never doing the live video before, yeah, I was petrified.
0: Yeah. It is. It's scary. It's scary stuff. And particularly doing those solo shows. I always recommend that people start their live video with a guest on the show. And it's like a conversation. Mm. Yes, the technology can be a little bit more tricky, particularly if Skype is involved. But we'll we'll put that to one side. It's a lot. It's a lot easier because you're having a conversation, and and that's what we're doing, which is which is great. Well, that's that's fab. So we've talked a lot about repurposing on the show, and and the fact that once you've created mm. that live video, you can then repurpose it into lots of things. And we'll we'll probably come back to that in in a bit. But blogging, I think, is both of our. I think we both have a real love of blogging. Um, I, I kind of have a love hate relationship with it. If I'm going to be totally honest, because because I'm a bit of a a perfectionist and i like to write i don't know whether i like to write but i end up writing ridiculously long in depth i choose to do that (laughs) Uh, blog posts and they take me a huge amount of time and effort but they all they've always been so powerful to me and 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 without blogging i would not be here today i wouldn't be I wouldn't have had the opportunity to speak at big conferences and, and had the opportunity to, to meet people and create live video, which is kind of how I got into it. And in, in many ways, I feel it, like a, a reluctant live video guy because I had to force myself into this from blogging. But I, because I think of, of all the, the difficulties that I experienced over the, over the time, I, I, I think I'm in a good place to help people you've gone through similar situations. Anyway, that, that's by the by. Coming back to blogging, you know, wh- where do you feel blogging fits into the whole empire or the ecosystem of content marketing? It's obviously your your first love, if you want to call it that. But, you know, how does that fit into into this world? If you're going to be embracing live video, can you also be embracing blogging?
1: I think you have to. I think if you are running a business and you want to actually drive sales and improve your business bottom line, You have to write. It's not an option. It's not something you can do if and or you must create written content on your website is the only way that is going to get ranked in Google It is the only way that a portion of your audience is going to choose to understand who you are, what you do and whether or not they should buy from you. Now, it could be as simple as a homepage with with great text and an about page, but that's not going to rank well. You might convert if you can get the traffic to it, but you're not going to get a lot of Google traffic if all you have is two pages. You need that written content to help educate Google on who you are and what you do and to answer the kinds of questions that your target audience is asking. And this is the really critical point that I try to convey to my blocking students. You have to understand what it is that your target audience wants to know. What are their parent points? What are their goals? What are their issues? What are their problems? And you have to solve that through your content. Now, you can start with video. Absolutely start with video. And if that's your comfort level, if you'd much rather talk to somebody than write it down. If you struggle to structure your written content, you can start with video or, or, or podcasting. But you need to convert it into written content at some point or start with the written content if that makes you feel better. That's what I prefer to do. I like to research keywords. I like to think about the key topics that I would love to rank number 1 in Google for. Like in my case, it's how to start a blog. Perfect example for me. If somebody wants to know, how do I start blogging or how do I start a blog or how to start blogging, if those are the various things that they're searching, I want to be their number one search result. I want them to come to me because I want to help them with that. And I've got free content, I've got ebooks and I've got products and services all arranged to help them with that journey. So that means I need to create content around that topic. And it's not just a short 250 word blog post. If I'm going to rank well, that means I have to create more content, better content than the competition. So again, it goes back to research. Come up with the phrase, do your homework. How many people are actually searching on that particular phrase? Is it more than 500 or a thousand? Is it millions of people? You got to come up with a nice set of phrases where it's not too competitive. But there's actual search results. There's actual searches happening right from your target audience. And then you have to look at the competition, right? In my case, I love him, but I'm competing with Darren Rouse at Plobrogger and and, and other people like that, right? Who've been doing this for years. And they've got content out there and they've got established authority and they've got a lot of articles that are driving traffic that are related to that particular phrase. So I teach my students to envision this as a pyramid, where at the top of the pyramid is the the key page that you would love to have ranked number one, and usually this is tied to a business result. It's a product, it's a service, it's something you're selling, or maybe it's to sign up for your list. But there's a, there's a tangible business result that will happen once people hit that particular page. And then below that, we want to fill in that pyramid with pages that dive into aspects of that topic, whatever that topic is. Like in my case, I have an entire series all about WordPress, which is the platform you need to start a blog. And then I talk into promoting the blog and repurposing the blog and making money from blog. These are all major topics that I key in on. And then I've got individual blog posts that hit those themes, those notes over and over and over again, top 10 ways to make money blogging, you know, top 10 themes for building your WordPress site. These are all pieces of content that I've either created or will create or I'm in the process of creating so that I can build that pyramid and start to drive actual traffic. Now, compare that conversely with someone who is only creating video content. Where are they putting it? YouTube, maybe? Okay. Well, if they're selling products and the videos serve that purpose, that's great. But if all of the business of their business is happening on their website, then the YouTube videos aren't helping them. They need to drive traffic someplace. And then the traffic that gets driven to the website, they've got to do something. They've got to learn about you. They've got to come to an actual buyer's decision, AIDA, right? Where they have action interest decision that has to happen on your website. And it's just not going to happen if you don't have written content.
0: It's kind of tough love, really. I mean, what you're saying is totally true. Yeah. It's it's going to sound like hard for some people, because particularly if you prefer creating video first or or audio content first. So this this could be the same if you're a podcaster. But the great thing about video is that you can use that as a starting point to then create content, blogging content. So you could use that as a starting one, but... You absolutely need to do your research. You're so right. You need to do the research, see what is going to rank well, whether it ranks well. If it's going to rank well on Google, it's probably going to rank well on YouTube and and Facebook too, but do the research. And then there's another kind of shocking thing, really. I mean, slightly tongue in cheek here, but not everyone likes watching video or live video. There are people out there that actually prefer (laughs) <laughs> reading and so you know and this is why i i don't just do live shows i turn this into a podcast because i know that some people prefer listening uh, to to watching and some people prefer to read and so i create blog posts from these things too so yeah it's it's really important and i love i love all the the, the pyramid that you um came up with and the idea of of actually planning it all because i think i mean you are such a prolific writer mike and i've always Joked with you, I think. Well, how on earth do you create this? And I've even joked that you must have clones working in the background. But I mean, I I assume you would say to me, Mike, that it's it's down your consistency and the fact that you're able to to not just if I say pump out content that sounds like it's not good quality. It totally is fantastic quality. But you would say that that's down to planning and being being strategic and all of that. I mean, how would you? How do you create all of that content so frequently and
1: consistently? Yeah, there's two parts to it. The first is is having that plan. So like we were talking about the pyramid, right? And and for those of you watching, I know you're watching Ian because you want to learn more about live video, which is great. So you want to leverage live video. So if you're going to plug that into the content pyramid, I would say the top tier of your pyramid and that second tier where you're diving deep into that particular topic, those should be in-depth written articles that you've thought through, you've planned out, you've structured them, you've researched them, you've taken the time to write 2500 plus word articles. But then that bottom tier of the pyramid, those can all be live videos that you transcribe. That's a great way to fill out that yeah. content pyramid, because as you're structuring it, you're dreaming up topics that you can talk about. And in in this particular case, you could be dreaming up people that you can talk to about those specific topics. Like I might want to talk about affiliate marketing if I'm talking about how to make money blogging. So I might go out and find somebody who's an expert at affiliate marketing. And then I might find somebody who's an expert at creating their own products. And then I might find somebody who's just an expert at WooCommerce and and, really dive deep into that particular plugin for making money and selling products on your own website. Those are all really easy solutions to creating that content. But here's the other thing that I do. And the reason why people like Ian, you tell me I'm a prolific writer. I have a system for capturing ideas. I use Evernote. And so anytime I have an idea for a blog post, whether it's I'm sitting and deliberately thinking about, okay, what could I write about? Or I'm having a conversation with somebody like you, or I am having a email back and forth with a client. These are all ways that ideas might come to you for new pieces of content. And as soon as that idea comes to me, I pop it into Evernote because I probably don't have time right this instant to write that out. Just a few seconds ago, I said, top 10 WordPress themes for a blog. I haven't actually written that post. That just came into my head. I should probably write that down because that would probably be a good piece of content for me to have (laughs) on my site. And I guarantee that in 30 minutes from now, I'm not going to remember that I thought of that. I won't. My, my, My brain's not that good. So I capture that. So then, when I do have time to write. And for me, I usually write on the weekends, uh, Saturday and Sunday afternoons. My girls are getting older, but my youngest still naps, So I, I still have two to three hours on <laughs> the afternoons on Saturday Saturdays and Sunday that I can come up to the office. I'm, I don't have to work. The house is quiet and I can just sit down with my thoughts and I can write. And here I can go into Evernote and I can look at the ideas that I've had. I can look at the articles that I've already started perhaps right? And just find one that speaks to me at that particular moment. And here's another trick for writing quickly. Trick's probably not the right word, but if you write about what you know, it goes a lot faster and a lot easier. And and this was my challenge to you so long ago, Ian, was that the content that you create is fabulous. And I know the work that you put into it. I've collaborated with you on some of the content that you've written. And I know the amount of effort and research and time it took to create These articles, seven reasons not to use dot, dot, dot was massive. And you did it like, what, three times? I think you've done that particular approach, uh, (laughs) which is insane because I know how long these are. Those are research projects, right? Those are college reports, essentially. And for most of us, that's not the kind of content we need to create on a regular basis. Those are wonderful, what I would call pillar posts, like once a quarter, maybe twice a year. Kinds of pieces of content. Most of the time, we should be sharing what's already up here the information that we've gained, the experience that we've built over the years, and most importantly, exactly what I said at the outset the stories that we already know about ourselves and more importantly, about our customers.
0: Yeah, that's so true. So true. And I wonder whether there's also a bit of a mindset involved in all of this. And some of us suffer from procrastination more than others. Um, But I think. How, if you can, ha- if you know why you're doing it. I mean, Mike, you know why you're doing blogging. You don't, you, you you don't just enjoy it, but you know why you're doing it, and there's there's an outcome to it. Some of us don't always enjoy the process of blogging. I find the thought of blogging, the thought of starting an article, is usually pretty horrendous. I'm thinking, I've got the seven reasons not to use whatever it is, and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, this is going to be so difficult. But then when I got started, I'm you can't stop me. You can't stop me. And and so sometimes you have to do a little bit of mental foundational work before you get started, I think. I can just see there's a, a few comments here just uh, just before we get on to the next section. So there's somebody called Facebook user. So this is somebody in, in the group. Uh, unfortunately, we can't see who you are. Who says, OMG, it's Mike Alton. And Carrie Ray says, I'm a big fan of both of your blogs, Value Bombs. And Carrie also says, I haven't finessed my best way to do the research and so I end up in the never ending research cycle. Any comments on that, Mike, about getting in the research cycle and not being able to kind of get out of that?
1: Yeah. So the first step would be to do what, what I just mentioned, to not tackle a research project if you possibly can. If it's a subject that you don't know very much about, I would honestly, again, tough love here. Question, why are you writing about it? Why are you blogging about that if you don't know that much about it, if that's why you're researching? Now, there's other reasons to research for sure. And I've done them. If I want to teach somebody through my written content how to do something, particularly if it's a tool, that's going to become a bit of a research project because I'm going to have to get screenshots and I'm going to have to walk through it myself um you know and and write down step by step here is how you install a facebook pixel you go here and then you go here and then you click that and that's time consuming Mm. but i would also argue if i'm doing that approach it's not hard it's just time consuming again i know what a facebook pixel is i know how to do it i just have to walk through it and take the time to screenshot it and document each step Uh, some would call that technical documentation so a lot of it just goes back to questioning why are we doing this in the first place? Is this really valuable content? Does my audience really want this? Is it need this? Is this going to push the needle for my business? And now if you can answer yes to all of those, the one thing you've accomplished already is motivation. If you can prove to yourself that your audience wants this research information, that they want this article, and that it's actually going to move the needle for your business, that's a mindset shift that you can do for yourself to keep reminding yourself, okay, this sucks. I hate this. This is not fun. But I know at the end of the day, this is going to help me. And and trust me, I have been there before. There are things that I've written for my own blog that it was painful. It wasn't fun. Yeah. It wasn't a topic I was particularly interested in or knew a whole, whole lot about. But I needed to do homework and research or, or you know a lot of the technical documentation kind of thing. But I knew at the end of the day, it would be worth it. I've got an article where I just. I went out and I figured out everything you needed to know about mentioning and tagging people on Facebook. And it was annoying, but quite frankly, because there was, the rules are different. The limits are different. The capabilities different, whether you're a page or a profile or a group. Um, But I, I figured it all out and I documented it out. Now it's my number one organically searched piece of content on my site. People are searching every single day how do I tag somebody on Facebook or how many people can I mention on Facebook and and why? So that's driving business results for me. You know, that's a mindset thing, right? The second thing then is, okay, we're at that point now we've decided we have to do this. There's good business reason for it. Structure your content, write yourself an outline. Okay. I know I need to cover everything there is to know about mentions and tagging on Facebook. Let me figure out in advance what I need to cover. I need to, I need to talk about profiles versus pages versus groups. I need to talk about mentions versus tags. I need to talk about posts versus images versus video. And I might want to talk about permissions and whether you can block somebody and whether that, that has any impact on them. Think that through, take 20, 30 minutes if you need to and outline for yourself, what it is that you want to cover. And now you have a map, You've got a blueprint. I'm just mixing all my metaphors here for everything that you want to cover in that particular article. So then you'll know when you're done. Maybe while you're going through that, you'll discover some other things. Those are rabbit holes. Try to avoid them. Make note of them because those might be great follow-up posts, right? You might decide that, you know what? Didn't really get into events very much, but let's see how this research paper, how this article and blog post performs. And if it goes well, I can follow it up with another article about events or live videos or, or some other aspect. And you can certainly update it and that kind of thing down the road. So that's how I would approach that.
0: I love that advice. So so important. And yeah, that, that hard work, that, horrendous hard work you had to do on the article has paid off and it was you only needed to do it once and now you're getting those hits every single day and that's one of the amazing things about blogging but also about video too so if you put in that hard work it should pay off as long as you plan and you structure it and i think all the stuff that you were talking about structuring your blog posts is the same for live video too It's time to bring in my second sponsor, which is Content 10X. So Content 10X, I've been sponsoring the show pretty much from the start. I love them. Amy Woods lives just down the road from me. She's a good friend of mine. And she is the founder of Content 10X. So the question is, I mean, this is actually very apt for the show. Uh, The question is, do you want to find ways to create more content? Well, if you go to Content 10X, you won't anymore. Once you've seen what they do, they are specialist content repurposing agency. They can take one live stream or blog post, podcast or video and explode it into a plethora of new platform specific on brand content. So if they don't do all of this for you via their service, they can teach you how to do it. So if you go to content10x.com, they've got a blog, they've got a podcast, a book and a toolkit. They're smart, responsive, creative and effective. And if you want to take the stress out of content marketing, Content 10X are the people you want to go to. So all you need to do is go to content10x.com to find out more.
2: You're listening to the Confident Live Marketing Podcast with Ian Anderson Gray. So just before we get on to a little bit more about
0: content, your new role, is. as well, I say new, it's not that new, your role at Agura mm-hmm. Pulse.
1: When did you join Agura Pulse? Two years ago. At Marketing World 2018. Yeah, um, I I landed in San Diego. And that was my first day in the job. It was actually like, I think the day before two days before world started, um, because we were doing those interviews. Yeah. And at the Marriott with J29. So you did one of our interviews, Kim Garst was there. Yeah. um, Doing those, you know, influencer interviews. Yeah, that's my first day. Wow, that's, that's,
0: it doesn't seem that long ago. I've got Dr. Yeah. Joe North is here. Uh, hello from Ripon in North Yorkshire. Great to see you, Joe. Hope you're doing well. So yeah, um, so Agorapulse, if you haven't heard of Agorapulse, I've talked about Agorapulse many times on the show. It is a social media management tool. We talked about Hootsuite. I suppose Agorapulse is a similar, well, it's not really a similar tool. It's a, it's a much better tool. I mean, I, um, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not just saying that because you're on the show, but I mean, I've been using Agorapulse probably since 2015. And, and I actually have written Seven Reasons Not to Use Agorapulse, uh, which goes, looks at maybe why it isn't a good fit. But I actually found the article really hard to write because I love the tool. What, so what's, what's your role? I mean, tell us a little bit more about Agorapulse briefly for people who haven't heard. And what's your role at Agorapulse. I know I mentioned it a little bit at the, at the start, but for people who don't know what a brand ambassador is and, and uh, an evangelist, I mean, evangelist, I mean, that not that somebody who shares the gospel around the world? I suppose that's what you do with Agorapulse.
1: <laughs> it's kind of what I do. Uh, yeah. We made up the title um, and my position has evolved quite a bit over the past two years, which is pretty cool and interesting. Um, but yeah, for those who don't know, Agorapulse is a social media management tool. It's a dashboard. So you can go into Agorapulse You can schedule content, you can publish content, you can monitor all the comments and direct messages that come at you from all these different channels. You can listen on channels, particularly like Twitter. I love giving this example, like you're a, say you're a wedding photographer in San Diego. You can be listening for conversations on Twitter that brides are having about potential venues and that sort of thing. And you can jump in with helpful information and you can have that search geofence. It's a really cool feature. And then of course, you can have beautiful reports, everything that you're doing and the success that you're achieving through social media. And you can be using that for your clients as well. If you're managing social media for other people, that's what a Gore pulse is. What I do is I manage our relationships Uh, with people like you, Ian, who are teaching others how to use social media the right way. And I get to spend all my time developing those relationships and working with you. You know, like we worked together, we collaborated on that article, seven reasons not to use Agorapulse, which again, sounds hilarious, (laughs) but it was great for us, Yeah, Yeah. right? We helped identify through that piece of content, reasons why an individual business owner wouldn't want to use Agorapulse and therefore they're not wasting their time. They're not wasting our time by going through a trial and asking questions when what they really need is tailwind for Pinterest, for instance. Um, you know, so those are the kinds of fun things that we get to do. And now over the years, my position has evolved. I started off, it was just me managing our influencers. And then I started to manage our brand partnerships with with brands like Thinkific, right, who are really great at what they do. And we kind of complement each other in a lot of fun ways. And then I took on our content scientist. And then we hired a social media manager, which strangely, we'd never actually hired a social media manager before. And then we hired a community manager and a director of social media education. And now all of a sudden, two years later, I've got a team and I'm basically in charge of anything that has to do with our brand online, mostly our social media channels. So now I'm managing all of our social media and it's really interesting. Wow.
0: That's a lot. It's, it's, it certainly has involved uh, from, from the start. And uh, yeah, you, the, the team, well, it was just you at the start, wasn't it? And then you've the team yeah. around you has grown, so it's amazing to see how that's happened, and amazing to see how Agora Pulse has grown. I mean, I remember the days when Agora Pulse was very small. I met Emmerich, who is uh, one of the co-founders of Agora Pulse, and actually through Emmerich, uh, he he was one of the the main people that encouraged me right from the start. Without Emmerich, I, again, I would not be here. So a massive uh, thanks to him, and hopefully at some point I can have Emmerich on the show well that's that's awesome to hear that story. Um, yeah so I, I wanted to let let's go on talk uh, finally, just one last thing really, which is to do with promotion and expanding reach because this is the question I get a lot, and we can focus this on both blogging and live video as well because we we've, we've said that doing both is going to be really important. You can't just do one without the other and, and so how can we plan to promote? Our content more efficiently, and as I was joking with you before, this is an area that I don't do a particularly good job of job at most of the time. It's something I'm working on, but I find that with so much else, so, with so many other things happening at the moment, with the kids, we're trying to homeschool them at the moment. They're still not back at school, and all this stuff. How do we find time to promote our content more efficiently?
1: Well, you're right. Today, in particular. Everything is harder, and mm. so the first advice that I would give everybody listening is to give yourself a little bit of grace because thank you. Today <laughs> things suck, and <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> we're all going through that, and we all understand it, you know. So, like, I wasn't giving you grief beforehand for not pre-promoting, and you know that's fine. Uh, what whatever we need to do to get through these days until we can get back into some semblance of what we would expect to be able to go through our lives. So there's that, but one of the challenges with choosing to do live video, is understanding that the benefit of live video is that you've got an audience Mm. that you can engage with, that can ask questions and help form and shape and grow and build the content. So you don't wanna lose sight of that fact, which means you do generally need to do some pre-promotion. If we just go live, if I were to go live this afternoon and not tell anybody, The odds of me actually having anybody attend live are about this big because (laughs) I don't usually go live. Now, if you are in the structured habit of going live at the exact same time every single week and people have come to understand that and you've developed a growing, your need to pre-promote goes down. But it doesn't go away because we still want to let people know. and We don't want to interrupt their lives. We want them to be able to plan, oh, okay, Mike's going live Friday at noon with Ian about this topic, I'm going to calendar that in. I'm going to pencil that in or, or make a note or set a reminder or click the get reminder button. If you're using Facebook live, because I want to be there. I want to watch. I want to learn from Ian and I want to ask Ian questions. That's the power of live videos. You're giving the audience the opportunity to connect with the guest and ask questions like they never can or won't ever be able to do in another setting. So. That means typically sharing on your social profiles, scheduling, if it's possible, Uh, if it's not possible, like in your case, Ian, I'd say, you know, make a Facebook event and have that five, six, seven days out in advance that you can share out and let people know. And then when you go live, it's a fairly easy manner to pop a link to the actual live broadcast into the Facebook event. So you can have that and you can tweet it out. You can do a countdown at Agorapulse. We go live every Friday. At 1 p.m. Eastern time, Jennifer, our social media manager, she interviews a guest. I'm behind the scenes, remote producing. So on, I think, Wednesday afternoons, I create the scheduled live. And I also have uh, the scheduled event on YouTube. And then when we actually go live, we go live to Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Meanwhile, she's been scheduling out tweets. It's a pulse, right? So she says... I want to make sure I've got a tweet going on an hour beforehand and 15 minutes beforehand saying, Hey, we're going live today with Mari Smith or Ian Anderson gray or Stephanie Lou or somebody. And you need to come because you're going to learn these amazing things. So all that happens before you even go live, you can even have some tweets scheduled to go out while you're live. You could have tweeted right now. I'm live with Mike Alton over here. We're talking about content marketing. Come join us. So all of that's great. That helps you prime the pump, get people excited about your content, get other people viewing your content because 10 people come and they're liking and they're engaging with your video and now their friends see it in their feed because they liked, commented, engaged with it. After the fact, now that's a whole nother thing, after the video done or after your blog post is published, whatever, you know, whatever you're doing to create that content, now we need to promote it even more because other people need to know about it. So this is where it's super valuable to have an email list to have built up social followings and an audience there on social and to be sharing it into all those different places. Now to do that, I have a checklist in my brain, but you can put it on a Google doc or a spreadsheet or whatever you want to do and do the same things every time. And it's important that you do the same things every time. First of all, so you don't miss a step. Second of all, to get good at it, right? If we do the same thing over and over and over again, it becomes a habit and we become more skilled and expert at it. And when I say it that way, it's because we're not just blasting links everywhere. That's not how social works. If I just blasted links to all my stuff on social, it won't work. People won't engage with it. They won't click through because there's nothing in it for them. You have to spark some engagement, some conversation, some discussion. You have to tell people, Hey, I just interviewed Melanie Dietzel. Who's got this amazing framework Content that makes it easy for you to create sustainable systems for content marketing. That sounds interesting to you. You might want to read the interview I published on Sunday. That's the kind of thing that I share to social media, which takes a little thought, right? When I've hit publish on the new piece, now I got to think about why would my audience want to read this? What am I going to say on Twitter, on Facebook, on LinkedIn, on Pinterest, right? That will get them interested enough to click. Bro, And so there's this initial slew of shares that I do to all my social networks, all the channels, all the platforms I've created. And it's maybe a little bit different for each one. I'm going to use hashtags on Twitter. I would have said I'm not going to use hashtags on Facebook, but they're coming back. So maybe I would use hashtags today on, on Facebook. Then we also have to think about, okay, that's today. What about tomorrow? What about a week from now, 30 days from now, 90 days from now, where, first of all, Not everybody's on social media at the same time that I'm promoting a piece of content, right? I've got over 50,000 followers on Twitter. If I send a tweet today, they're not all there. So they're not all going to see it. Even if the algorithm was going to be blessing enough for me to actually get it in front of them, (laughs) they're not all online at this moment. Some of my Twitter followers, they're not going to check Twitter until tomorrow or the day after, which means it's important to reshare that content. So I like using Agorapulse for the ability to re. Repeat certain pieces of content. But I'll also share two other tools with you. The first is Revive Old Post. It's a WordPress plugin. And I started to kind of swear by it because I don't have to think about repeating the content to certain channels. Revive Old Post will take any of your content on your site that you tell it it's okay to share again, that you basically say this is Evergreen, and it'll reshare it to whatever. Profiles you select. Twitter is usually the best one for this particular purpose. I think I usually have set up my Twitter profiles, LinkedIn, and maybe a Facebook page, where every once in a while, it's sharing out content that I've previously published to those social channels, which is great. The other great tool is Missing Letter. With Missing Letter, as I've got my RSS feed plugged in, so as soon as I publish content, like within an hour, I get an email from Missing Letter and saying, "Hey, your new campaign is ready." So I click through and it has read the piece of content that I've created and has generated a bunch of templated graphics and has pulled some quotes from that piece of content so that I can now set up some different kinds of shares for the next 180 days or longer, right? I published an interview with Guy Kawasaki. It's going to pull out quotes from Guy right out of the text and it's going to create some, some uh, graphics and I can mix and match and, Use a different quote with a different kind of graphic template or whatever I want to do, do some different hashtags. And then now I've got that content going out over and over and over again. And it's refreshing the content. It's bringing it back to light in front of my audience.
0: Yeah, I love I love Missing Letter. It's a great tool. We actually had Benjamin Dell, the founder of uh, Missing Letter, on the show a few episodes back, he was talking, because the other thing he's, uh, he's, he's created is, uh, what's it called again? Um, I can't remember what it's called. Any ideas what that would be? I think you've used it before. Hey Summit? Hey Summit, that's the one. Thank you I for reminding me. I he was me.
1: involved in that. Okay. Yes,
0: yes. It, yeah. th- those are his two babies. So yes, definitely. Well, that's fabulous. Thank you so much. They're really, really amazing uh, things there to, to help us. And yeah, I, I think you're right. Not to beat ourselves up too much at the moment. We We can only do what we can do. We start off with small things. I'm a great believer in writing things down. So I have, I've, I mean, I've got it in a in Asana, but you don't need to use Asana. Just write it down as a checklist. And if you can only do a few things in your list, that's better than nothing, isn't it? I think you'd agree with that, Mike. Absolutely. And then just over yep. time, build it up. Well, thank you, Mike. I think we, we should leave it there. But I mean, how can people find out more about you? Obviously, they can go to Agora Pulse, but you do a few other things as well, don't you?
1: I do have a few other hats. I have the social <laughs> media hat, which is the blog that got me started. And I've got 360 Marketing Squad, which is my partnership with Jen Herman, Stephanie, and Amanda Robinson. They're the, my co-authors for the book that we have coming out next month. Uh, but the easiest way to find me is Blogging Brute. I'm at bloggingbrute.com, Brute bloggingbrute on all the socials. That's where I'm really talking about content marketing. So if you want to learn more about some of the topics we touched on today, that's the way to do it.
0: Well, that's fab. Thank you, Mike. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been awesome to have you on. And we'll have you back once we've got the tech sorted out. That'd be lovely. And uh, (laughs) yeah, that's great. But until next time, I encourage you to level up your impact, authority and profits through the power of Confident Live Video. See you soon.
3: Bye. Thanks for listening to the Confident Live Marketing Podcast with Ian Anderson Gray. Be sure to join the community at iag.me, where you can continue to level up your impact, authority, and profits through the power of live video. And until next time, toodaloo.
2: loo